Welcome to the teaching ministry at Magnolia's First. We hope the next few minutes will help you take your next steps on your faith journey. And we would love to help you take those next steps. Just head over to m1bc.org and fill out the connect form and a pastor will get in touch with you very soon. Or you can text us at 281-343-3033. Well, good morning, church family. Y'all doing pretty good with that. I'm impressed. Listen, yesterday was a great day. The deacons and the deacons' spouses all came together and presented a banquet in honor of the widows of our church. And we're grateful for our chairman of deacons, Larry Shows, and his wife, Judy. And if you're a deacon family and you're here today, could I ask you to stand up and let us recognize you and thank you for what you did for our widows? Go ahead and stand up. Thank you so much. Really appreciate them. They really did a great job. It was an Hawaiian-themed uh, a banquet, and everybody at a table got a pineapple. But I didn't. But that's okay. That's okay. That's all right. And uh, we are very grateful. Miriam Neff was with us, and she did the presentation. And Miriam, you're back there. And wave. And y'all want to meet Miriam, I'm going to tell you what. She is a great uh, speaker, a wonderful authoress and has done a lot of great work in multiple areas. But matter of fact, I enjoyed it so much while you were talking, I ordered one of your books for my mother and sent it. And so we're very grateful for you and your ministry and what you did for our uh, widows yesterday. Really appreciate that. Amen. Amen. So last week we talked about we are on this journey together. And the question always comes once you hit about this point in a, search, in a search for a pastor for a church of, aren't we there yet? I mean, surely we can be there by now. But you know, some of you might have done a mail-order bride or bridegroom. <laughs> but I did it the old-fashioned way. I went and found her. And, and the Lord brought her to me. And I will tell you, I am grateful the very first girl that I ever asked to marry me said no. I mean, I mean, we were just, you know, right, not right for each other. She was a year younger than me. I was six. She was five. <laughs> and as good as it might sound to get somewhere fast, I will tell you, God has a purpose in the journey. And so last week we talked about packing light. This week I want to talk to you about car trouble because if you travel enough, you're going to run into a moment in which what ought to turn on does not. And your hope is that when that happens, you're not at a rest stop. Years ago I was in Phoenix for a conference and I had a free Sunday. And so I decided that I was going to get up and I was going to go meet Jesus at the Grand Canyon. And so I took that drive, I went through Sedona, then through Flagstaff, and then made my way to the South Rim. But as I did that, one of the things I noticed was the number of cars that were pulled over and broken down. They had different license plates like from Utah and California, Oklahoma, even Texas. But what I realized was some of their cars could make the journey almost, but not quite. And I want you to hear that God doesn't intend for you to almost make it. 
His intention is for you to get to where God wants you to go. And so today, we are going to be in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 3. We're also going to be in some other locations like Exodus 23 and Judges 3, but mainly Joshua 3. And what I want you to think about is that no matter who you are and where you're going, when you follow the Lord, there are going to be times of challenge and testing in your life. Reality is... Even in the most blessed times of our life, there are times of of challenge and testing. And even in the hardest challenge and test, there are moments that we see the glimmer of God's blessing. And so what can we learn from Joshua and the children of Israel about times of challenge and testing? The Bible says in Joshua 3 verse 1, Then Joshua rose early in the morning and set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried over by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Now, I want you to remember that they are still at this moment on the wilderness side of the Jordan, looking over at the promised land. They are in a place of desert and a place that they have been walking for 40 plus years because of disobedience, and yet it was the known. But God was calling them to the land of the promise. And I can already think of some of them looking at that water, looking at that land, and asking the question, how do we get from here to there? And maybe you know what it's like to be at a moment in your own life, and when you're standing on that bank, and you're looking to the direction that you sense God is taking you, and you're asking that question, how do I get from where I am to where God wants to take me? And I want you to know that today we're going to see how God uses times of challenge and testing to grow us in our faith and to shape us into the image of his son. Because you need to remember God's commitment is that his son would shine through you. And he uses challenge and testing to help that happen. So to do that, we're going to talk today about three questions. But if we're going to ask the questions, let's first pray to the one that has the answers. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you for your word, for the way that you reveal to us so much for us to understand about where you're taking us so that we can know you. And Father, I want to thank you for the honesty that is found in your word. And so today, God, as we are thinking about times of challenge and testing, God, I know there's some folks in this room right now, and they're going through it. And they're asking, God, where are you in this? What do you mean I can get to the other side? Father, I pray that you would give them encouragement today, that you give them direction. For it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Challenge and testing first question can't we avoid times of challenge and testing can't we just avoid them 
I, I've never met anybody that said, you know, things are going so well for me right now. I'm just hopeful that a time of challenge and testing can come my way. <laughs> I just want you to know that I'm tired of it going well. I'm tired of everything working out. I'm ready for a time of testing and challenge. I have never heard that. Now, I've heard plenty of people in times of testing and challenge that said, oh, I'm waiting for the day this is over. But the reality is, can't we just avoid them? But the Lord tells them that as they enter the promised land, there are some things they need to remember. And for that, let's go back to what God said to Moses in Exodus 23, 29. He says, I will not drive them out, talking about the inhabitants of the land, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. Here's something you need to know. There are no shortcuts to get where God is taking you. You don't get to clap out. You don't get extra credit for past suffering. And all of a sudden, you're able to say, well, at least I don't have to go through that the same way. We have to walk the path that God puts in front of us. There's no shortcuts. He says, listen, you're not going to get the land all at once. If I gave you the land all at once, you wouldn't be able to handle it or manage it. What you need to know is God is highly committed to growing your character because by growing your character, he increases your capacity. And by increasing your capacity, he can increase the opportunity he puts in front of you. What happens with so many of us, we want opportunity instead of character. Character takes a long time to develop. Character and capacity, which go together, provide the future opportunity. And more than one person has had a huge opportunity that didn't have the character or capacity to handle it, and they faltered and they failed. It's important that we allow God to build his character within our lives. He said, listen, if I give it to you fast, the land will be desolate. Wild animals will, will be where you have to contend with it. It would not be the blessing you think it is. God's not slow in responding to what you need. He just needs what you're responding to to be responded to well so he can keep moving you forward. Little by little, he said, you're on a journey, not a destination. You're not just getting to the promised land. There's a journey through the promised land that you're to be on. I need to wait for your size to increase. Your population isn't big enough to handle this whole country, but it's getting there. I need you to acquire your inheritance, and as you acquire it, you're going to learn how to manage it so that in a good way, you are a steward of the blessing instead of just a consumer of the blessing. There are things in life that are hard, but they get you to good things. And when you get to the good thing, you are more appreciative of it because of what it costs you to get there. The Lord's got you on a journey. 
And he gives them a reminder in Exodus 23, 31. He says, I will give the inhabitants of this land into your hand. You shall drive them out before you. But remember, you shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. And he says, now listen, when you go into the promised land, whatever you do, remember this. You obey me not their gods. Don't pick up bad habits. Don't pick up their gods. Don't give yourself over to them. Whatever you do, avoid covenants with this, the people that I'm sending you over to their land because I will tell you, those covenants will entangle you. They will ensnare you. They will trip you up. Basic, basic instruction that when you go, go the way I've called you to go. Why? Because they would be a snare. Here's the thing. We get snared often by fast answers to hard questions. We can get snared by what looks like a quick response, a quick and easy way to get there. And the consequence can be devastating to us. The Bible tells us again and again to beware of trying to get gain too quickly. Beware of what seems to be so easy and so alluring. It will satisfy for a moment. Sin promises and it gives you satisfaction for a moment. But it can wreck your life for a lifetime. He says, you be careful. Don't become ensnared. There's not a question, though, that as you walk this journey, that as you walk and you are before the Lord as you are allowing Jesus Christ in your heart to work who he is through you, to shape you and to grow you. You just have to know challenge and testing are going to come. They're going to come. But here's the second question. How will you walk through times of challenge and testing? How are you going to walk through them? Because you need to know that when they come, you get to choose how you respond. How will you walk through Joshua 3, 3. It says, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, then your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. So let me just give you a couple of thoughts, some thoughts as you go through Joshua 3. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> Should have had that allergy shot. Sorry about that. Next time I'll remember, turn that off. But I've got you all awake again, so I appreciate that. <laughs> so what are some little bullet points I can remember as I'm going through times of challenge and testing? The first one is this. He says, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. And so the basic principle is this. Don't get ahead of God. Just don't get ahead. Sometimes what we like to do is kind of like the way I drive. I'm going to confess something. When I'm in a lane and there is a semi-trailer in front of me and I can't see to the right or left, I get a little nervous because I like to see what's coming at me. I know the day will come that I can't avoid some, something coming at me, but I would rather not be surprised. I'd rather see it approaching as it goes. And so I kind of scoot over to try to look over here or look over there. And sometimes that's what we do with the Lord. As we are moving forward, if we're not careful, we will try to look around God 
to see what's coming instead of trusting God and not trying to get ahead of him. Just stay with the Lord. Joshua 3, 4. Yet there shall be a disturbance between you and it, and about 2,000, or distance rather, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before. He said, listen, where I'm taking you, you've never been. It's unknown to you. It's a surprise to you, but it's not a surprise to God. But don't get too close. Just let him go where he's telling you to go and make sure you keep the right distance. Just make sure of this. Commit to God's direction. If that's where the ark is, go that way. If it goes that way, go that way. If it goes that way, go that way. Don't get involved in driving. Get involved in following. God is not asking for opinions on direction. He's clear about where he's heading. He just wants to know, will you follow me? Will you follow me? Commit to his direction. Joshua 5, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And he says, listen, you need to prepare your hearts. You need to consecrate. You need to set aside. You need to get ready. You need to get your heart ready, because if you don't, you'll falter. And sometimes what happens when we go through times of challenge and testing is we kind of hunker down and wait it out instead of stopping saying, all right, Lord, here I am. And this is hard, but I trust you. So steal my soul that I might listen to you. So I'm ready for what's coming. Verse 9, Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, what? Listen to God's voice. Be in his word. Let his word be in you. Make sure that as you listen to God's voice that you know the difference between God's voice and everybody else's voice. Now, let me just say something very quickly. Some of us are really healthy in that when we go through times of challenge and testing, we have trusted people that we talk to that are able to speak truth into our lives. But there's also two unhealthy responses. One is, I don't tell anybody. I'm just going to be just like this. I'm going to suck it in. I'm going to, you know, just kind of man up and, or woman up, however you want to say it. And I'm going to get through this. And when you do that, you hurt yourself and you hurt the body of Christ. Because God has appointed people to walk alongside you. And when you don't talk, when you don't share, when you don't let them be part of your prayer, then what ends up happening, you steal from them the blessing and you steal from you the peace you could have had. But then there's the other side. And there are those that are perpetual sharers. They share everything. Oh, you know, I was coming to church, I was praying God would show me that he loves me, but I still had to park across the, you know, the parking lot. And, you know, my normal space, somebody else got it. And I know it says handicapped, and they got a blue deal, but that's kind of my space. I mean, whatever it is, but they just overshare, overshare. And because here's the thing, they're not really looking to hear from the Lord. They're just looking to get to talk about their trial. There are people that have collected their trials, and they share them as if they were just now happening. I have talked with people at times and said, 
when did this happen? Oh, it had to be, I don't know, 49, 50? You mean 49 or 50 years of age? No, 1949. <laughs> there are moments that shape everybody. But listen, God does not want you to be held hostage by your past. Bible says in verse 10, Joshua said, here's how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Take 12 men from the tribes of Israel when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand up in one heap. And with that, I would suggest this very, very strongly. Don't miss God in the moment you're in. Look for God. It may be the hardest moment of what you're walking through. It may be like this wall of water that you're looking at and you're thinking, I, if that falls on me, I will not make it. But look for God in the hardest moment. I think about that in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus prayed and prayed and prayed again, Lord, if you're willing, you could take this cup from me. At the hardest moment, our Lord heard the Father. And in your hardest moment, God is right there. Don't miss that moment. Look for God in the moment you're in. You know, people see God so clearly in victory. But too many of them miss him in the challenge. They just don't believe that God has anything to do with this challenge you're in. God, surely you wouldn't let this test happen to my life. But in the moment that you're in, there's times where you just got to stop and say, okay, Lord, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but I trust you. I trust you. God is calling you to trust him in the midst of your challenge and your test. It says, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout this time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. And the people passed over opposite of Jericho. And can I just remind you of this? When you're in that hardest moment, keep moving forward. You know what's not in the text? That as they were crossing the Jordan, that somebody stopped for a selfie. They kept moving. You keep moving. Now you say, yeah, if you got a wall of water over you, you might keep moving too. But you know, I can't tell you how many times I'll be on the, the highway or on a road and it's stuck in traffic because somebody stopped or is slowed down to watch something that involves somebody they don't know. Keep moving. Watch the news. You can get a better picture. Just keep going. <laughs> Because what happens is your moment of delay is making everybody back here stop. And here's what you have to know. If you get stuck 
in your time of testing and challenge, if you stop, you don't just affect your life. You affect the lives of your family. You affect the lives of your friends. You affect the lives of your church family. And the reason why is because, now I'm not talking about not being mindful of real hurt or pain or not acknowledging grief. I'm not talking about that at all. But if you get stuck and don't move forward, then before it's over with, there's a whole crowd of people behind you that can't go forward either. God has called us to trust him. He has called us to keep moving forward so that we can see him in the moment we're in and in the future that's in front of us. It says in verse 17, Now the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. You know something? Every one of them made it through in dry ground. Nobody got lost. Nobody was left behind. Everybody made it to the other side. One final question. Does God have a purpose in my times of challenge and testing? Does God have a purpose? See, I'm one of those people that many times I have told the Lord, hey, I'll tell you what, why don't you just tell me what you want me to learn? We can skip the challenge and the test and the disappointment or the hurt or the heartache. Just tell me the principle. I teach, I, you know, that's part of what I do is I teach. So just give me a principle and I'll write it down and I'll take a test on it. You know, written test, not living test, written. <laughs> but here's about what you need to know about the Lord. He knows the way we're wired. And he knows that we need the journey if we're going to grow. He knows that we need to go through the refiner's fire if we're going to grow. He knows the only way to shape us is to heat us and put us on the anvil and pound it and shape us so that we can be conformed to the image of his son. And nobody wants to volunteer for the anvil, but it's on the anvil you become more and more like Jesus. You need to know God does not delight in your hurt. But he is glorified in your response. The Bible says that Jesus knows our pain. He knows our sorrow. He knows all about it. And God allows us to walk through that time of testing and challenge so that we can become what he has called us to become, not because he has any other motive than this. He knows what's the best for us. And he wants that for us. In Judges 3, 1 and 2, it says this. Now, these are the nations that the Lord left in the promised land to test Israel by them, that is, all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan. It was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war to teach war to those who had not known it before. He said, I'm going to leave them to test you. And the question is, are you going to trust me? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to be faithful to me? He says, I've left you in a land of idolatry The question is, are you going to pick up their habit? Are you going to commit to their idols? Are you going to 
honor what you promised in the covenant with me that you will have no other gods before me. Will you do that or not? And you know, today, you may not be attracted to a little figurine that you somebody would put up in their house or a rock sitting somewhere out in the desert and say, well, I, I would never fall an idol like that. But listen, an idol is anything that you and I put in front of God. I know people that have put money well before God. Some people have put their education. Some people have put their children. They honor their family more than they honor their Lord. We can make anything an idol that gets in the way of us being faithful to the God who saved us through Jesus Christ. He says, I'm leaving them in the land to test you, to see if you'll be faithful. You know what, though? The Bible tells us that when we go through times of testing, in James 1, 2, it says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We have to have it. We have to have testing if we're going to have the character that God wants us to have. We have to walk through that time. Not only that, it would teach us to learn the ways of God. Remember the, the apostles in Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John are entering the uh, temple area, and there's a lame beggar that has been coming there and brought there for years. And the Bible says as they were passing by, as he spoke out to them, that when he addressed that beggar, the beggar looks at him, expecting something. And it says, Peter and John entering the temple said this, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he did. And the people are gathering because they had watched this man year after year begging. They knew his past, and they had seen a miracle of God. And so as often as the case with good preaching, they got arrested. So they are brought before the council the next day. And they are told this, you need to quit teaching in the name of Jesus. You need to quit teaching about Jesus. In Acts 4.19, Peter and John answered them and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Peter and John says, listen, you got to understand, we've just spent three years with Jesus. You need to understand that we have watched him, and he is the Son of God. We watched him. We traveled with him. We knew him. We ate with him. We heard him teach. And all the entire time we saw him, he was perfect in every way. He never committed a sin. He did all these mighty works, and we watched him as he was arrested, and we saw him mount that cross, and we understand that he died on that cross for our sins and for your sins, and that he was buried, and on the third day he was resurrected so that at his name every knee shall bow under heaven and under earth, and that by his name alone can we be saved. So you tell me, are we supposed to quit preaching about him? can't do it because we know him we can't but help tell people about what Jesus has done for our lives 
But I want to remind you of what it says in verse 13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. You can't be with Jesus and not be changed. They had walked with him. They had talked with him. They had traveled with him. And their lives were forever changed because of the time they spent with him. They were apprenticed by Jesus. And their lives bore those marks for all time. I thought about that when we talk about discipleship because when we talk about discipleship too many times we kind of talk about it like come attend something we're going to disciple you we're going to give you some information so you can go live that way when discipleship is about doing life together and there's a value to gathering together like we're doing right now there's a huge value in being part of a small group but part of the way that our lives are truly transformed is because we are discipled or apprenticed and someone walks with us and helps us understand and and it's it's a real thing i thought about that because uh you know my dad grew up a sharecropper and so the way that the kids escaped was through education and through life skills so some went into the oil fields there was 13 brothers and sisters so they had to escape okay they used to take turns on who got to wear the shoes i mean that's the way their life was and so some of them got educated some of them went to the uh to the oil fields like i said but many of them have several of the brothers became carpenters and so when you become a carpenter you go through an apprenticeship and so when my dad got of age, he was taken through an apprenticeship. He became a journeyman carpenter. And then that's how he paid for his education so that he could then do what he did. And so when I was 14, I became an apprentice. And so I spent 8,000 hours learning how to be a carpenter. Till the final day came where I took my final test. I got a little card that said, I'm now a journeyman carpenter. 8,000 hours, that was almost four years of my life, and that was why going to school. It wasn't easy, but it was possible. And I thought about that because my Uncle Max. My Uncle Max is the one who trained my dad. And my Uncle Max and my dad were not quite the same people. Uh, my Uncle Max is pretty exacting. And I'll never forget when I was about six years old, I'm at their house and we're eating and there's Uncle Max and Helen, their three boys and my dad and my mom and us three uh, children and we're eating Sunday dinner and all of a sudden I hear something and it is the sound of ice being tinkled in a cup. And my Uncle Max is jiggling his cup. And then I saw a miracle. My Aunt Helen without a word, popped up, went over, got the tea pitcher, filled his glass, and then sat down. No words have been said. And then I heard another tinkle. And it was one of the kids. Popped up, goes over, fills tea, and I'm telling you, with a six-year-old kid, I'm sitting there thinking, I've been doing this wrong the whole time. So we finished the visit, 
We get in our car, you know, the three kids in the back seat, mom and dad on the front seat. And so as the, before, I mean, we, that, that tire hadn't even rolled one revolution off that driveway before my mother turned around, looked at my brother and I and said, if you ever tinkle a glass at me, you will not come back with an arm. <laughs> and that made more of an impression. But I'm saying that as a way of you understanding who my Uncle Max is. Because as he got older, as he regressed, he owned his own construction companies. He was a phenomenal builder. And one day I was helping in one of his jobs building Hershey High School. And I'd gone into the job trailer and he said, Roger, I got to get this door set. Uh, I, I need to go ahead and get it done. Come help me do it. So we walk over to set this door. Because we've got to shoot it into the concrete, it's a metal door frame, we've got to get everything set up so that working can continue. And so as we are doing it, he is on his knees, and as he's setting this door, he would put up a hand, I'd put a tool in his hand, he would do what he needed to do, put up his hand, put a tool in his hand. We're going back and forth, okay? Not one word was said. And as we're walking off, he looked at me and said, I can tell you were trained by your father. I want you to hear something. When you go through a hard time, a testing time, a challenging time, and you've done that with Jesus, the world will be able to tell that you've been with your Father. They'll be able to tell. You don't go through things like other people. I can tell you've been trained by your father. Will you bow your heads with me? Before we pray, I just want to ask you, can people tell that you've been with your father? Can people tell as you went through times of testing and challenge? Maybe in the moment you're in right now that you're with your father. Now, Lord, there's some folks that are here and they're walking through some challenging times. And Father, I pray that you would encourage them, that you'd remind them that you're right there with them. Father, there's others of us and we don't know Jesus and today we need to ask Jesus to be our Savior. Father, I pray that you would give them the courage to acknowledge that need and to move forward in that decision. And Father, there's others of us that it's just time for us to be there for somebody else. We know of somebody that's going through times of challenge and testing and we've not filled We have not felt that we knew what to say or how to say it. And Father, we just need to go to them and hug their neck and say, I am praying for you. I love you. Tell me any way I can help you. I'm here for you. But Father, whatever we are in this moment, I pray that you give us clarity and that we would be faithful to be very, very close and steadfast in our walk with you. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.